You're listening to Summit Podcasts, where you'll find sermon audio, weekly discussions of the message, the Back 40 Leadership Podcast, and much, much more. Subscribe today at summitpodcast.church and share this episode with your friends. Summit Church, every life made different. Today we're starting a new series, and the series is on the book of 1 Peter. Um, 1 Peter was written by the follower of Jesus, Peter. Uh, Kim talked about him a few weeks ago in our Sunday school series, that, that Peter was the one who got out on the water and walked toward Jesus. So Peter was a significant figure in the Bible, a follower of Jesus. Peter was also, according to a Catholic tradition, the, the first pope. Um, so he was a significant figure in church history and, uh, and to us as, as believers. Um, so he writes 1 Peter, and he writes it from Rome around 63 AD, and he was writing to a primarily Gentile audience. Now, this is significant because early in his ministry, um, he was ministering primarily to Jewish people. But his view had expanded by now, and that's a long story. But now he's writing to a primarily Gentile audience in a Roman province that is, would be considered now Northern Turkey. So he's writing to them, and they're experiencing persecution. Now, they're not, they're not experiencing state-sponsored persecution as they will in the next few years. Um, but the Roman emperor at this time is Nero, and it's a relatively peaceful time for Christians from the state level. But culturally, there's a lot of opposition. Culturally, there are a lot of people in the culture who don't like Christians, who believe that Christians are the cause of a lot of problems and issues. Um, and so the state, the, the government is not saying we're going to persecute Christians, but there's a lot of people who don't like Christians very much. And it is evident in some of the things that are produced and some of the things that are happening. And so the church is being persecuted. And, um, and I just, to me, that sounds familiar because our churches are not being persecuted the way they are other places in the world. Um, I'm not going to lose my life in America for following Jesus, but there's a lot of opposition to Christianity in our culture. There are a lot of people who blame Christianity for a lot of the ills in our world. And we have to know how to deal with that. And, and Peter was writing to these churches and trying to help them see how to be resilient in the face of persecution. How do we stand up when we've been knocked down? And that's really what, was, what resilience is. Will I get up whenever I'm knocked down? Because the quicker you get up, the more resilient you probably are. And the church of Jesus needs to be resilient because opposition is promised to us in scripture. And so that's what we're really gonna be looking at over the next few weeks is how do we live lives of resiliency in the face of opposition, in the face of persecution, in the face of loss, in the face of heartache, in the face of brokenness. So let's start with 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, this letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. And in the English Standard Version, I love the way it says it. It says, uh, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. 
elect exiles of the dispersion. The, the diaspora is the way uh, it says it in the Greek. So the elect exiles of the dispersion. Now they are exiles, but they're not exiles in the same way as the Jewish people were in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, people that lived in the kingdom of Judah or Israel, um, they were exiles to Babylon or Assyria uh, as they were taken captive. So they were overthrown and then they were exiled to these foreign spots. So Peter calls them exiles, but they were not exiles in this way. And we're gonna come back to this idea in a minute. Because what he's saying is, you're a foreign national in the place you are. So we'll come back to this idea in a moment. Verse two, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him, and you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. Verse three, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. So I, I have, um, he's talking about an inheritance that will not decay, an inheritance that will not decrease. So um, this last week I was talking to a friend of mine uh, who lives in another state and he was talking to me about just catching up. And I said, um, hey, I know you were thinking about retirement. Are you, what's that looking like? And he said, uh, 1,387 days. It was like, wow, okay, you got this. And he like literally gave me the day, down to the day. And he said, yeah, well, I'm excited. And I was like, okay, how come that number? And he said, well, as I talked to my financial advisor, he told me that's the amount I would need set aside that I could weather the storms and the ups and downs in the stock market. That if, if the stock market crashes, we'll still be able to make it. You know, we might not be wealthy, but we'll be able to make it at least. And what he's saying is that, that wealth will go up and down. There is an ebb and flow to that in our world. And we understand that. And, and what Peter is saying is because we are in Christ Jesus, we're followers of Jesus, we have a priceless inheritance that will not ebb and flow. It cannot change, it cannot decay like the wealth of our world does. So early on in this letter, he is contrasting the temporary versus the eternal. But listen to what he says. He says, we live with great expectation. And this is really, really, really important for us because when we have faced loss, when we have faced uh, disappointment, when we faced heartache, when we face persecution, one of the most important things we can do is get our eyes off the moment and focus on the future. And so what Peter says is, hey, we live with great expectation. Why do we live with great expectation? Because we have a priceless inheritance. So this is a little gruesome, but if, if you knew that someone had named you in their will and they were wealthy, you wouldn't worry about your finances someday because you have an inheritance. You wouldn't lay awake at night wondering how you're gonna make it someday because you have this large inheritance coming your way. There's a sense of relief that you may have without having to worry. And, and you wouldn't be worried about some of the financial issues in the here and now because you'd be like, well, hey, I know I'm gonna be okay down the road because you have 
an expectation of an inheritance. And in the same way, spiritually speaking, there are things we worry about and things we struggle with in the moment that Peter's saying, hey, you should weather these storms well because you can look to the future and say, no matter what's going on, I, I can live with that great expectation because I have a priceless inheritance waiting on me. Verse five, and through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So God is protecting you by his power, but his protection is activated by your faith in him. So it's your faith that is the catalyst for God's action to protect you in your life. It goes on to say this. So be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure trials for a little while. He said, be glad in the, in the face of opposition, in the face of persecution. Because he said, there's wonderful joy ahead. He said, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. One of the problems with trials is we don't know how long they're gonna last, right? We're, we're struggling with something and it feels like it's never ending, it's gonna last forever. But if we knew how long it would last, if we knew this isn't going to last forever, it would make it easier for us. So years ago, um, I might have not even been 30 yet. Um, I had a little bit of a health scare and I had a regular heartbeat and for just for a couple days. And I went in and they monitored me and went away and they discharged me, but they're like, you're too young for this stuff to be happening. So they wanted to run more tests. And they're like, we're gonna do a stress test on you. And I was like, great, that's, what is a stress test? And they said, well, we're gonna put you on a treadmill. I was like, awesome, I love walking on treadmills. And they're like, well, you're not gonna walk on a treadmill. I was like, oh, I'm gonna jog? And they're like, no, you're gonna run. I'm like, great, how far do I need to run? And they were like, well, you're gonna run as fast as humanly possible for as long as we need you to run. And I was like, I, I think I'd rather have the heart condition than do that. No, thank you, right? But they're like, okay, no worries. And what they're trying to do is stimulate the heart to reproduce what it was doing before. So they're like, all right, here we go. And I get on this treadmill and I start running and I'm running as hard as I can. It's like an eternity I'm running. And I'm like, oh, I'm almost done, almost done. And they're like, you've been running for 37 seconds. And I'm like, oh my gosh, ah! right? I'm dying. How much further? Well, it's, nothing's happened yet, just a little bit further. Mr. Massey, we're gonna raise the incline on this. I'm like, ah! like I'm running straight vertically up, right? That's what it feels like. They just keep jacking the speed up. We're gonna move it up just a little bit. I'm like, I'm already running as fast as I can. My legs physically won't go any further. And I'm not kidding, 17 minutes. Yeah. Okay, this was made for comfort, not speed, okay? So, <laughs> this is not a Ferrari, this is a Winnebago, okay? That's what I'm saying. 17 minutes, I finally just say, if I have to go any further, I'm gonna collapse, and this treadmill is gonna shoot me off the back wall. I'm gonna be a projectile into that back wall because I'm literally just gonna fall down. I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's the best we could do. And like, what were you trying to do? And we're like, well, we're trying to stimulate your heart. And I was like, trying to stimulate it to explode? Because we were close. About 30 more seconds, my heart would shoot. And that would have been it. It was forever. If they would have said, Mel, here's what we're gonna do. 
You're gonna run on this treadmill really hard at an incline for two minutes. Great, I could have locked in on that. I could have made it. I would have, let's go, and two minutes, I'd have been counting on the clock and when we got to two, woohoo, right? But it made it real hard because I didn't know when it was gonna end. I, I thought it might be the end of me, right? My wife might be planning my funeral after this. Well, let's be honest, we deal with things all the time. We go, how long is this gonna last? Just a little bit longer. A little longer? I, I'm, I'm about to die. God, do you see what I'm dealing with? Do you see what I'm going through? And so I can't give you an exact timeline. I can't tell you, here's how long your suffering will last. Here's how long your persecution will last. Here's how long your heartache will last. But this is what I can tell you. What Peter tells the church is, it's a little while. So we take comfort in that. Okay, it's just gonna be a little while. Man, this season stinks. It's painful, it hurts but it's just for a little while. So you know what? Because it's just a little while, I, I can be truly glad because I know there's wonderful joy ahead. There's something good on the other side of this pain and it makes it easier for us to endure. It makes it easier for us to be resilient in the face of persecution when I know that God is still good, that he can be trusted. Verse seven says, these trials will show your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. It says, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. We are not tested for God to figure out what we're made of and who we are. God knows. He doesn't wonder about us. He doesn't, he doesn't look at you and go, I wonder what they're made of. I wonder if they could. He knows. Okay, he's omniscient. He knows everything. He's testing us and he allows tests in our lives for us to be able to go, oh, here's what I'm made of. Oh, I did not know I could run on a treadmill for 17 minutes, but I know now. I did not know I could endure the loss of this loved one. I did not know I could endure the losing my job. I did not know I could make it through that, but God showed up and look at what I'm made of. He says, so be truly glad. This reminds me of James chapter one. James chapter one, if you go one book of the Bible to the left of first Peter in James chapter one, Jesus, uh, James, the brother of Jesus says this, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Come on, come on, let's be honest. None of us do that. We're like, what? I'm getting laid off. Here's an opportunity for great joy, right? The doctor says, I've got, I've got good news and bad news. It, here's where you, you've got cancer, but I've got opportunity for great joy. You're gonna punch him in the face, aren't you? you, you this is not an opportunity for great joy. But this is what James says. He says, if you can understand the context and see the big picture of our suffering, of our setbacks, of our persecution, we're gonna see that, hey, this isn't a job loss. This is an opportunity for great joy because we don't know what God is doing behind the scenes. So maybe we feel like we're losing a job, but maybe God had a better job for us that he knew we would never leave our current job, even though it's not great, but we're too comfortable. Yeah. So God goes, I'm gonna have to get, I'm gonna have to 
get you to lose this job so I can get you to the job I actually want you to be in. And it only, it's only in hindsight that we go, oh, that was an opportunity for great joy. Look at where God brought me. But, but, but what James says is, how about if we're mature enough that when suffering comes our way, we can look at it with that kind of perspective and go, you know what, this is an opportunity for great joy. I'm not gonna judge this situation yet because God's not through with it yet. Oh, oh, hey, I'm dealing with some relational issue with my kids. You know what, God? I don't know what you're doing. I'm not gonna judge it yet. This might be an opportunity for great joy. And when we can live this way, it makes us resilient in the face of persecution. It makes us able to bounce back from loss when we go, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you. This is an opportunity for great joy. Verse eight, you love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and rejoice with a glorious and expressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. I was expecting like just everyone to erupt from their seats. And I'm sure in Blairsville, they're just going crazy because I said the salvation of your souls, right? We should be excited about that, shouldn't we? I mean, he says, the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. No, that's, just stop. It's not even real. Bunch of fake Pentecostals, that wasn't real. But let's be honest. We don't really get excited about the salvation of our souls that much, right? Salvation of your souls. Yeah. Why? It's because that's what Jesus does. That's his role. That's what he's supposed to do. He saves us from hell. Yeah. I signed up for that. Right? We, we paid at the front desk. We're good. But it's become so common for us that we don't get excited about the salvation of our souls. We've forgotten, that's why we do things like communion to remind us, that's why Jesus commanded us to do communion because he knew we would forget and the salvation of our souls would be something that just becomes normal for us. It's pedestrian, it's just what we do, it's what we expect. And it's nothing new for us. This has been going on for a while. This is why Jesus at the Last Supper commanded do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget what I'm doing here. The salvation of your soul is really important. And understand this is not just about salvation from hell to heaven through Christ Jesus. It is an invitation to intimacy with God. That the God of the universe who spoke the universe, all of creation, all that can be seen or imagined into existence wants to know you me. We've lost the awe of that. It's not a spectacle to us anymore. It's just something we know. Oh yeah. Listen to how Peter describes this salvation in verse 10. He said, this salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. He said, even the prophets these revered, esteemed men of old. They wanted to experience the salvation. They didn't get to experience like you and I experienced it because Jesus came after them. 
They, they were prophesying about something they had no idea about. And they longed to know about it. It says in verse 11, they wondered what time or situation the spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterwards. They were like, I'm saying this stuff. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I wish I did. I wish I could experience what we're talking about here. They longed for it. Goes on to say in verse 12, they were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. Now this good news has been announced to you by those who preach the power, by the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It's also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Even the angels are curious about salvation through Christ Jesus. In fact, the ESV, the English Standard Version says, things into which angels long to look. The angels, these angelic beings, look at you and I, and I'm gonna take a little liberty here, and I'll use the word envy, with a little envy, because they long for what we have. It's not simply salvation from hell to heaven. It is an opportunity to walk with God, to know him personally and intimately, be beloved by God. As his son or daughter, we get that because of salvation. But we treat it as if it's no big deal. In Psalm chapter 51, um, David writes Psalm 51 and David, he killed Goliath. He went on to become king of Israel and he was known as a warrior, a man of war. And his men went off to war. He was getting a little older and he should have gone to with, with them to war, but he didn't. He stayed behind. Um, he looked lustfully on a woman and ended up sleeping with her. She was married to one of his soldiers. He impregnated her. And he invited the soldier to come home and cover up his sin. Maybe they'll sleep together and nobody will know this baby's mine. It didn't work out that way. He ends up having this man killed. So this man's dispatched back to the front line and David makes sure that he's put in a position where he is killed in battle. And then David marries this woman and he looks like a hero because, oh, look how good the king is. He's taking care of this widow. He thinks he gets away with it. And one day the prophet Nathan comes to him and he calls him out. And I don't know exactly what this looks like, but, but Nathan talks to him. He just confronts him. And I can imagine Nathan getting in David's face. He's the king and Nathan gets in his face and says, I know what you did. And David is confronted by his own sin and he responds correctly. Because when we're confronted with our sin, there's really only one response and that's to be repentant. And this is what David does. And he writes Psalm 51. And listen to what he says in verse 12. And we're not gonna read all of it at all, but I'll read verse 12 to you. And this is what he says. David in this broken repentant state, he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. He says, restore the joy of your salvation. He says, God, restore to me the joy of, of your salvation. Remind me how good it was when you saved me, when you rescued me. He's saying, I've forgotten. Maybe my love for you has grown a little cold. Maybe I forgot how much of a sinner I was and how much grace I needed from you. Maybe I thought I was a little better than I was and I didn't think as much of you as I needed to. And because of that, because I've forgotten your goodness and my sinfulness, I was unfaithful. I got to a place I should have never been. 
So God, and he asks for forgiveness. He is repentant in Psalm 51, but I love this request. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Remind me how good it is to be your son. And we've forgotten how good it is to be his son or daughter. And when we forget how good it is to be his son or daughter, it makes it harder for us to stand in the face of opposition. It makes it harder for us to stand in the midst of heartbreak. So let me help you with this. A couple things that'll help you walk in the joy of God's salvation. The first thing is this, and I've got to warn you, these aren't crazy um, profound. These are pretty simple. But if you'll do them, they will actually work. So the first thing is this, four ways to walk in the joy of your salvation, God's salvation, is the number one, be repentant. So repentance just simply means that we turn from the direction we're on and head in the opposite direction. So we recognize that we were wrong. And this is something that I believe every Christian should live with every single day of our lives. Every single day should include repentance for believers. And it doesn't mean that we have to get saved again. It simply means that every day we have to acknowledge, God, I'm an idiot. God, I did some things today. God, I, I, I believe some things today. God, I thought some things today that I know are not reflective of who you call me and who you are. So God, I repent of that. We have to repent to God. Sometimes we have to repent to the people around us. I have to repent to my wife from time to time. Babe, I'm sorry, I was stupid. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have acted like that. I'm really sorry. I have to repent to my girls. Man, I'm sorry I responded that way. I shouldn't have said that the way I said it. I'm really sorry. People in our church, our staff, I have to do this every day. I have to repent because I'm not perfect. But here's what repentance does. Repentance reminds us of our need for Jesus. And when we're reminded of our need for Jesus, it helps us um, stir up our, the joy of our salvation. God, I, I need a savior every single day. I, I need to repent every single day. In fact, if you read down Psalm 51 just a little bit, and David says, hey, I could offer a sacrifice, but the real sacrifice you want is a broken heart, broken spirit. And he says, in fact, a broken spirit and a repentant heart, you will not reject. So he said, if, if I wanna be accepted by God, the best thing I can do is approach him humbly with a repentant spirit. So that's the first thing. Second thing is this, know God's word. You don't have to read your Bible for an hour every day. You don't have to. That's not what I'm saying. But get to know God's word. There are lots of ways you can get what God's word in your life. Maybe you say, Mel, I'm not a reader. That's okay. Uh, did you know your app will read the Bible to you? You can do it. You can pick some voices. I even saw a commercial for an app the other day that Snoop Dogg will read you the Bible. <laughs> the D-O-double-G will read the word of God to you. Some of you are looking for the app right now. You're not gonna hear anything the rest of this message. This is what I'm telling you. Get the word of God in your life, in your heart. If you're not a reader, that's okay. Did you know one of the reasons um, songs are so important is because even 
In the old church, ancient first century church, when they would sing songs, they were singing songs about God. And so what was happening is they were reinforcing their theology by their songs. They were learning about who God is by the songs they were singing. And so some of you will not listen to Christian music or worship music. And I wanna challenge you, push back on you gently and say, hey, why don't you put some worship music in your life? Because as you're hearing these songs, you're learning truth about who God is and who we are and who the church is and you are learning the word of God as you are learning these songs. So know God's word. The third thing is this, pray. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it says pray without ceasing. Um, and here's the thing. Some of you are like, I'm intimidated to pray. I don't know the right words to say. Um, I don't know how to speak in the King James. That's okay. You don't have to do that. God is not impressed when you use thuses and thithers and things like that. He's not impressed, Okay. So the first thing I would tell you to do when you're praying, if you're, if you're getting started, is this. Make it simple. Sometimes the simplest prayers are the most powerful prayers. You don't have to impress God with a 10-point prayer. You don't have to do that. A simple prayer is effective if your heart is right before God. So make it simple. I would say, make a plan. So figure out when and where you will be praying. Maybe it is on your commute to and from work every day. Hey, I've got a 20 minute drive. So in those 20 minutes to and from work, I'm gonna make sure I'm praying to God. I'm, I'm not gonna listen to talk radio. I'm not gonna listen to sport. I'm just gonna talk to the Lord. Do it, but come up with a plan. Maybe those meal, pre-meal prayers can become more than just the words you say before you eat, right? So come up with a plan when and um, where you're gonna be praying. And then if you're not sure what to pray, you're still stuck, pray the word of God. This is where you need to know the word of God, but pray the word of God, figure out, hey, there are a ton of prayers in the word of God. I'm gonna pray along these same lines. Um, I'm gonna figure out what the word of God says. I'm gonna pray these things. God, I don't feel like a conqueror, but your word says I'm a conqueror. So God, make me more than a conqueror in you. Pray the word of God, pray in alignment with the scripture. And the fourth thing is this, get in or stay in godly community. If you're not in godly community, a small group of some kind, a, a group to serve with, get in a group because that is, those are your people. When persecution comes, when you feel like your joy is waning, the joy of your salvation, they're gonna remind you how good it is to be a son or daughter of God. Let me move on, verse 13. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. He quotes Leviticus here, but he says, you must live as God's obedient children. My girls are awesome. I'm grateful for my girls. Uh, they really don't give us problems. I mean, Kim and I were talking about this yesterday. Like any of the problems we have with our girls are pretty minimal. But sometimes you start to think, my kids are terrible. And have you ever thought that? And then you get around somebody else's kids and you're like, oh, no, no, their kids are terrible. <laughs> you ever had that moment before where you're like, my kids are awesome after all. I had no clue. <laughs> you go to the parent-teacher conference and the teacher's like, they are delightful. And you're like, no, 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 Massingale is our last name, right? Are you talking about the right kids? Like, oh, they're awesome. Like, what? So you know what obedient children look like and disobedient children look like, right? And what Peter says is, hey, live as obedient children. What is he saying? An obedient child is not gonna put up a fight 
with their parent. Obedient child might not like what they're told to do, but they're gonna do it. Here's the thing too with obedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. So if, if my child does what I want them to do, but they don't do it when I want them to do it, it's disobedient. And he says, so we have to live as obedient children. And what he's saying is when we hear God speak to us about something, that we're gonna do it even if we don't like it. And we're gonna do it exactly how he wants, exactly when he wants. And when we do that, it's gonna help us live resilient lives in the face of persecution. Let me move on, verse 17. Remember what the heavenly father, to whom you pray, has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. Um, I mentioned earlier, we are exiles. He was talking to exiles. Now here's what he's saying. They weren't temporary residents where they were. That was where they lived. They were established residents in those places. But he said, you're not real residents of those areas. What he was saying is you are foreign nationals to these areas. And this is what he would say to us today. He said, you might live in Shalakta or Blairsville or Salzburg or all these different areas around, but you're not really residents of those areas. You're temporary residents. You are exiles to those areas. You are a foreign national area because your primary, your primary citizenship is that of heaven, first and foremost. And he said, if we will live our lives that way, we'll understand that we're not supposed to conform to the culture that we are in, but we're supposed to bring conformity to the culture we're from. And the culture we're from is heaven. So one of my jobs as a Christian, not as a pastor, notice, I said as a Christian, is to help shape the culture of this world to the culture of heaven. I want Indiana to look more like heaven. I want Blairsville to look more like heaven. Why? Because that's what we're called to do. We're not called to be impacted by the culture, but to shape the culture. And this is what Peter is inviting them to do. He's saying, don't forget who your king is. Don't forget where your citizenship lies. It is not in these areas, it's in heaven. He goes on to say in verse 18, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. So we go back to this inheritance. He, he's talking about things that are temporary and eternal. And at this point he says, hey, we have a, a, an inheritance that is greater than what you can imagine through Jesus Christ. And he said, but the inheritance you currently have is the inheritance that's been passed down from, you, from your ancestors to you. And it is an empty inheritance. It is an inheritance of death. It is an inheritance that will fade and fall away. But the inheritance you have in Christ Jesus is priceless. It's not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. Again, temporary and eternal. It's the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Verse 22 says this. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. Now, we're not gonna get into the deep weeds on this, but I wanna help you with something. Um, it says you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. It does not say you were cleansed from your sins when you said a prayer. It says you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So I think there are probably people who have said prayers, maybe even in this church, that you said a prayer. You're like, I'm good. I, I cover my bases. I'd, I'd said the thing. I'm good now, right? I can do, okay, I'm, I'm good. Well, no, just because you say a prayer with your mouth does not exempt you. 
what's required of us is obedience to truth. And here's the thing, I can't make myself be obedient to God. I mean, we've talked about this a lot. I can't fulfill the, the, the law in myself. What has to happen is I die so Christ can live in me. So I die and Christ comes alive and Christ is the one who helps me obey the truth. I can't do it on my own. And so if I just say a prayer and think I did the religious thing and I'm good, I'm in trouble. Because we're cleansed from our sins when we obey the truth. He goes, and he goes on to say this. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. Here's what he says. Um, the results of being cleansed from your sins is sincere love for each other. The fruit of being cleansed from our sins is that we love each other really well. In fact, Jesus says in John 13, 35, they will know you're my disciples by your love one for another. He says, the evidence of your discipleship, of your following me, is that you love each other really well. The evidence of your discipleship is not that you don't go to rated R movies anymore. It's not that you uh, don't use curse words anymore. It's not that you, not, that's not what the evidence is. The evidence is how you love other people and even people you don't like very much. How do you love them? Verse 23, for you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Again, it's coming back to this idea, temporary versus eternal. Where are we focused? Where are our eyes fixed? Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers, and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. See, if you want to stand in the face of persecution, I think one of the most important things we can do is rem remember the joy of his salvation. Maybe you're here and you recognize the fact that you have been living your life for the temporary instead of the eternal, for the immediate moment, the feeling, the experience, whatever it is, and you recognize, hey, I'm living for uh, the wrong inheritance. And I've got to fix my eyes on the future instead. I wanna give you that chance to respond. So right now I'm gonna turn it over to Pastor Colin there in Blairsville. He's gonna finish up the rest of our time together and he'll give you a chance to respond today. I love you guys more than you know. I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. So here's the thing. Um, I know what time it is. And I know that we've gone a little longer than we normally do. But I'm not gonna rush this moment. I rushed my sermon. I'm not rushing this moment. Because this is the most important moment we have during our time together. So please do me a favor, don't leave. Um, don't slip out. Um, sit tight for just a minute. Because maybe you recognize today that you're not really following Jesus. You're not really in relationship with Jesus. I've got great news for you. You've got an opportunity today to say yes to him, to surrender your life, to come to him, and he will receive you gladly with no condemnation and no shame. Maybe you're a Christian, but you've lost the joy of his salvation. You, you recognize, you don't know when it happened, you don't know where it happened, but you recognize now in hindsight, oh yeah, yeah I've lost my awe. I, I've forgotten how much of a joy it is to be his son or daughter. 
I wanna encourage you, today's your day. Because I think God wants to restore that. I think God wants to move in our church. There are cool things happening um, in, in the kingdom of God all throughout the US and even the world right now. And I'm not going to make anything happen, but I also don't wanna miss anything because I'm unwilling. So I wanna see God move and work. And one of the ways we see God move and work is when we just simply go, oh yeah, it is awesome to walk with him, to know him, that he wants to know me. So I wanna invite you into that. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes and pray together. God, thank you for loving us like you do. I pray in these next few moments, you would reveal yourself. You'd show us your goodness. You would draw us to you. I pray ultimately, Lord, you would save those who are lost. And for those that are found, but maybe our warmth for you, our affection for you has waned along the way. Maybe we've just simply lost the joy of, of your salvation. God, I pray you would stoke that fire in our hearts. Rekindle that fire. Draw us to you like never before. Lord, help us to live on a daily basis with the joy of your salvation in our lives. Help us remember how good it is. And I pray as we do, God, that would be a catalyst to bringing others to that salvation as well. So God, in these moments, be glorified. Reveal yourself to us. Now, nobody's looking around. If you're here today and you say, Mel, I know I'm not walking with God, but I know I want to. I want to walk in relationship with him. I want the God of the universe to know me and I want to know him. I want to give you that chance. I'm not going to make you come forward right now. I just want to pray for you. And if you're here today and you want to be included in that prayer, would you put your hand up real high where I can see it? If you say that, Mel, that's me. Yeah, thank you, ma'am, on my left. Thank you, I see you in the back. Thank you on my left over here, ma'am. Thank you. Yeah, two more hands here. Thank you, guys. You can put your hand down. Praise the Lord. Who else would say, Mel, that's me? Yeah, thank you, buddy. I see you here in the center section. Thank you. Another hand here. Who else? Just a few more seconds. Anyone else? You'd say, Mel, include me in that prayer. Yeah, I see you up there. Praise God. Awesome. Romans chapter 10, verse nine says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you shall be saved. Now, this is not just about saying words. This is about confessing this with our mouth, but it's about praying it from our heart, from our soul. And so I'm gonna give you the words to say. We're all gonna pray this together, but you are going to say this prayer from your heart to God. So I want you to pray this prayer out loud with me. Say this, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus, your only son, to pay the penalty for my sins on the cross. From this day forward, my life is forfeited to you. Use it for your glory. Thank you for loving me and for saving me. And from this day forward, I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause today. Listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, you're a new creation. But especially for those of you that raised your hands and responded today, please help me help you. This best thing for you to do 
is to take one minute. It'll take you literally one minute to fill out the card that's in that seat in front of you. Take that out, fill it out, stop by the info center in just a moment. Uh, they're gonna give you a new Bible and they're gonna point you in the right direction. If you're watching online, you're here in the room and you prefer simply text Summit PA to 94,000. Summit PA to 94,000. Let us know about your decision via text. We're gonna respond back to you and we're gonna get some information in the mail to you to help you take the next step in your faith. But we want to help you grow in this next season. So here's what's gonna happen right now. Um, Pastor Kendall's gonna lead us in a final song. And again, I wanna encourage you, stick around for this final song. If you don't have an emergency, um, I promise um, lunch will be there for you in just, a, in just a little bit, but, but stick around. And our team is gonna be here to pray for you. And if you've got needs at all of any kind, you need a physical healing in your body. Um, maybe you, you need a miracle of some kind. Maybe you're here today and, and you just recognize, I, I have lost the joy of my salvation and I, I want that back. Our team would love to pray with you. We'd be delighted and honored. So as we're singing this last song, and even after we dismiss in just a moment, our team's ready to pray for you. So let us pray for you before you go today. Uh, and then in just a minute, Pastor Kendall will dismiss us and you'll be free to go. But even after we're dismissed, if you wanna stick around and pray, if you wanna sit in your seat and meditate on the word of God, we invite you to do that. But uh, this is gonna be a, a place of prayer um, for the next few minutes. So stand to your feet. Let's worship to God together one more time before we go today. Guys, don't forget, in just a few minutes when we finish here, uh, Pastor Brian is gonna be upstairs and, um, and he'd love to connect with you. So stop by the youth auditorium when we get done here for a little bit. I love you more than you know, and I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you guys and have a wonderful day. If you enjoy this content, please let us know by rating and reviewing the podcast. You can also contact us at summitpodcast.church. Remember to share this episode with your friends and on social media. Summit Podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Thank you for listening to Summit Podcasts, and we will see you in the next episode.